0: Mary Luke two twenty one through 35 on page 4 and at the end of eight days when he was circumcised he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. The word of the Lord. Well, for many, this is the longest day of the year, not December 21st, the winter solstice. This is Christmas Eve and for uh, kids in particular, it can be interminably long For they are waiting for that magical day tomorrow when the presents appear under the tree and they can finally figure out if what they put down on the list they got. To be sure, they have been uh, shaking the gifts, looking at them. Perhaps there's an app that can x-ray scan now on their iPhone. If there were, they would be using it. But they're waiting and they're wondering if what they hope for they have received. It's interesting to watch kids wait and to watch older people wait. Uh, There is apparently a developmental step uh, uh, from kids as they mature. It's called the uh, myelination of the uh, fatty cell material wrapped around the neuronal axons of the prefrontal cortex. But you, of course, already knew that, didn't you? There's a process and so at a certain time, uh, so, so teenagers don't have what we call uh, executive functioning. And so when they do boneheaded things, they can simply blame lack of myelination on the axons. Dad, that's what my kids say all the time. Uh, but uh, alas, we were once young and boneheaded as well, weren't we? But an old person's very different, right? Right? I get to visit uh, uh, folks who are older and in the hospital and it's amazing their ability to wait and endure patiently as they stay in the hospital sometimes for weeks waiting for tour, uh, you know tests and being poked and prodded but their patience is amazing. You know, there's a difference between waiting and settling. Waiting is waiting for something to occur. There's a sense of, Hope, whether you're waiting and can barely sit still or whether you're waiting patiently. But settling is giving up waiting. It looks like waiting, but it's not waiting at all. In fact, you've lost hope in whatever it is that you were hoping for to occur. You have settled. You've settled down and you have settled. Simeon is a picture of a man who has been waiting but not settling. You see, Simeon was given a promise. And what is it that we really know about Simeon? Not a whole lot. He's only mentioned here. We never hear of him again. But we do know that Simeon is righteous and he is devout. Righteous meaning not that he was perfect, but that Simeon had faith in God. He believed in God and the promises of God. That God would watch over him, that God would care for him, that God could heal his sins. He was also devout. This word devout we could translate into devoted or uh, the literal translation means given up by vow. Simeon had made his choice. He had made a vow at some point, unconsciously or consciously, that he was to follow God. And Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You don't use this word consolation often, except in specific circumstances. For instance, if you had a death in the family and you were overwhelmed with sorrow, you would hope that someone would come along and they would console you. They would comfort you. That might be a better word. Comfort in the time of great sorrow. But this word is, goes even further than simply comfort and consolation. The literal translation means, uh, is paraclesis, And for some of you, you know that word parakaleo means, is a word used for the Holy Spirit. One who comes alongside. It's not just he was waiting for comfort, but he was waiting for someone to come alongside Israel. To encourage Israel. Indeed, to redeem Israel from its troubles and from its problems. See, Simeon looked on the landscape of life and he saw the world as it was. And it distressed him. It disheartened him to see sorrow and sin and suffering and anger and pain and starvation. And he was looking for God to console his people. He must have thought of those words in Isaiah 41 that says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. We, uh, Renee, beautifully read this earlier. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended and her sin is pardoned. Her, she is received from the Lord's hand, double for her sins. He must have thought that there is a time that is coming that God is going to say, "I've come to comfort you. That the time of your punishment for your sin is over. I come alongside." And that prophecy continued on, that a voice would cry in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, and every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain shall be brought low, the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. That instead of shame, one day there would be glory. Whenever a king would go to visit a town, they would go ahead and they would start preparing the road. They would try to make it as smooth as possible. Because if the road was too rough, perhaps that king would decide not to come. But in this prophecy, God is saying that the road will be made level. And that the king will come. Indeed, Simeon had received a promise in verse 26, that it had been revealed to him that the one who would comfort come alongside He had been revealed by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Lord's anointed is the correct translation. The King would be coming and the King would utter these words that the Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, an opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and so Simeon waited and he waited and he waited how long had Simeon been waiting we don't know it seems like a very long time it would appear that Simeon is nearing the end of his life and the world went on and on and on business as usual People going about settling, if you will. But Simeon refused to settle. Instead, he chose to wait. For some of us, we feel like Simeon. Even though we're, we're separated by time and culture and circumstance, we are also waiting. Simeon got to see Jesus as a baby. But he probably never saw the cross and the ascension. But we have seen that Christ has ascended to heaven and promised us that He would come again. And yet He has not come yet, has He? Simeon was in the first waiting, but we are in the second waiting. And much like Simeon, perhaps, we look around the world and we see the sadness and the sorrow, the brokenness of sin, Maybe we sometimes look in the mirror and we see ourselves and we mourn for ourselves and the sins that we still have, the pride of our hearts. And the world goes on and on. But the call is the same. To trust God's promises. To seek for His coming. And to wait. I had the great privilege, my family and I, of placing first in our neighborhood holiday lights contest oh yeah it was a big shindig let me tell you what I do we have a picture of the Rodriguez house oh let it come yes here we go the angel we got a little you know uh, artistic uh, lighting in the back but I took an angel and I put it on top of the uh, of the house at great cost to myself and danger And I actually took a scene from the Bible earlier in Luke 2 where there were shepherds in the field watching over their flocks and the angel of the Lord appeared and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And that light is supposed to be uh, the glory of the Lord. Uh, Most of the people thought that the three shepherds were actually the three wise men. What do I care? I won first place. But it was amazing that I won first place, because as we were driving around, people take this thing seriously in our neighborhood. And there were people that shelled out big money. By the way, those are my painting tarps, and the shepherd's heads are actually basketballs. So it was a frugal, yet effective. It was a a Trump run, if you will, spending as little as possible. Um, But... uh, there were, there, were, there were houses that put ours to shame in terms of the beauty. Uh, you know, the classic Christmas look. And there certainly was the Griswold Christmas vacation as well with just the neon and everything. And as I talked to folks, you know, why was it that our house won? It was, it was simply this. It was so different from everyone else's. Because, you know, Christmas decorations are beautiful, but they're not necessarily biblical, Right? Ours was the only one that stood out in that it hearkened to the reason for the season, so to speak. I'm not saying that other people didn't have the true Christmas spirit in their hearts, but it hadn't extended. But I wanted to do something that communicated uh, about what Christmas was all about, the coming of the Christ. See, I think that life can be like that. That as we go about our business, living and breathing and making a living and raising kids and getting married and all of those things, that we can settle that this life is the life that we have. And this is the life that we should make. We should build our kingdom here. We should settle down. And if we're not careful, we lose the eternal perspective we lose the reality that this is not home the way it was meant to be. See, Simeon went to the grave not knowing that the Messiah would lay down his life for his people. He went to the grave not knowing that he would be raised from the dead for the life of his people, that he would ascend on high, that he would be sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, ever living to intercede. But we know all of those things We know how the story ends. We know that even now the Scriptures tell us that Christ is in charge and that His Gospel is being proclaimed and spreading throughout the four corners of the earth. And if Simeon can wait in hope and faith with such limited information, we can too. And so we're called to settle down, but to not settle We're called to live here now with our eyes fixed on what is to come. See, there are really three options as I see it. Number one, we can ignore hope. We can ignore the story. We can maybe pull it out and dust it off one day a year and then put it back in its box. We can ignore hope and go about our business. The second is we can lose hope, it's taking too long circumstances lead me to believe that God isn't there. We can lose hope and give up. Or we can trust and we can wait and we can hope. Because it's those who trust are the ones who wait. And those who wait are the ones who find peace in this world. Simeon trusted and he waited. This brings me to my second point, which is Simeon saw and proclaimed. Verse 27, Simeon came into the temple just when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. Talk about timing, right? How long had Simeon been coming to the temple? Every day? What if he took a left instead of a right? What if he accidentally did something happen? He sprained his ankle. He decided not to go here or there. See, God's all about timing because He is the author of time. If you seek to live God's will, God is going to put you where you need to be when you need to be there. So Simeon was led by the Spirit, though he didn't realize what was going to happen that day. And lo and behold, here come Mary and Jesus. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They are coming to the temple to observe customs. They were law abiding Jews. And so they came for this, uh, these two particular uh, uh, ceremonies. The first was purification. According to Leviticus 12 1 through 4, when a woman had a child, after a period of 30 to 40 days, depending on circumstances, she was to come and to present an offering for her purification. Uh, it was supposed to be a lamb, but if they were poor, they could present a, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. It shows the poverty of Mary and Joseph. This, was, this purification was to symbolize the sinfulness of mankind. That bringing forth even in new life there was sin that needed to be atoned for. This is why David said in Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. It was the blood of the turtle dove, or of the lamb that was supposed to provide purification for the sinfulness of the family. And so as Simeon walks in and he sees Mary and Joseph providing this symbol... It struck him like lightning that here is Mary making a sacrifice for her own cleansing, while she is holding in her child, the baby to whom this symbol points—the one who is the true Lamb that gives away, that takes away the sin of the world. Simeon saw the sacrifice, and he saw the child. And somehow he knew that this was the one who was to come, who would purify all of his people. But there was a second ceremony that was also supposed to be going on, a ceremony of consecration. As verse 23 says, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And so they came to present the child. We sort of skim over that presenting the child. Not every child was presented. It was only the firstborn male who was to be presented to the Lord. This actually came from the book of Exodus. It was God who said to Pharaoh in Exodus 4 that Israel is my firstborn son. So I said to you, let my son go that he may serve me but you have refused to let him go and behold I will kill your firstborn son. And you remember the story of how the angel came and killed all the firstborn of Egypt. And so God instituted this practice as a reminder that the ransom price for the firstborn, for the family of Israel to leave was the firstborn of each Egyptian. They were the ones who paid the price, if you will, that, people, that the Israelites would be redeemed or ransomed, bought out of slavery into freedom. And so God demanded a price to redeem the firstborn. That there was an animal that was supposed to be killed. So that that firstborn would be freed and not killed. It was a lamb that was supposed to be slaughtered. And so Simeon saw, as Mary and Joseph presented Jesus, he must have thought of Isaiah 53, that surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray and each has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Here was the Egyptian, the outcast, who was to pay the price, the ransom price for the sins of his people. He was being presented a foreshadowing of the time when he would get up on the cross and be the ransom to free all of us who believe in him. But there was also another meaning of consecration. See, after the uh, situation with the calf, the golden calf, if you'll remember, God changed the payment price for the firstborn. Instead, He said that every Levite will belong to me and serve me. And every firstborn who is not a Levite will go free. The Levites are to be devoted to the Lord and they will serve as priests for me. And so to redeem your firstborn who was not a Levite, you were supposed to come and to give five shekels. Indeed, they still do this practice. If you're a Jew, giving, you have to find someone who is a descendant of a priest and to give them five silver coins to represent being redeemed from uh, being that, uh, in the service of the Lord. But notice something very interesting. It clearly comes that they... Shows that they come to present the child. And so this was the practice, the giving of the shekels. That's what it meant to present the child. It very clearly shows that they give sacrifice for the purification. But notice that they never give the payment price of the five shekels. This cannot be a mistake. See, when Mary and Joseph are coming to the temple, they know what all of this means. And what are they doing? They're not buying Jesus back. They're coming to turn Him over. To give Him wholeheartedly to the service of the Lord. That even though He is not a Levite, He is to inaugurate a new priesthood. You see, Simeon realizes that here in this child is not only the priest, but also the sacrifice. The one who represents us to God. And the one who brings us to God through his very body. Simeon saw. Along with Anna, they were the only ones who saw. And Simeon responded. What did he do? He took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God. Can you imagine this stage? He walks up to Mary and Joseph, a complete stranger. Hi, I'm Simeon. Your child is the Messiah. May I hold him. But you see, Mary and Joseph came to do this very thing, didn't they? They had already seen amazing things. And so they knew that this was part of their son being given for the life of the world. And so Simeon took this child and he praised God and he prayed and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the midst of all people. Simeon's waiting was over. He praised God. He acknowledged that God had been faithful to his promise. And he said these powerful words, My eyes have seen your salvation. See, salvation isn't something that we do. Salvation is someone who is. Salvation is a person. Jesus is salvation... And salvation is Jesus. They are one in the same. Christianity is different from every single other religion. In every other religion, you're saved by following the advice of the founder. But in Christianity, you're saved by the founder himself. But he's just a baby. No, he is the ransom. The Lamb of God who has come. The Lamb of God will be slaughtered for the sins of the world and so simeon does this in the midst of all of the people can you imagine people turning their head and listening to these profound words simeon goes on a light for revelation to the gentiles and for glory to your people israel this gift simeon knew was for all people The Old Testament puts it this way in Isaiah 49.6, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Later today during our uh, Christmas candlelight service, we'll sing the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I love the verse, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Jesus is not just a way to salvation. He is the way to salvation. For Jew and Gentile alike, there is no other ransom that has been given. And so Jesus comes, this unassuming baby, and Simeon proclaims. Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish theologian, tells the story of a prince who wanted to find a maiden suitable to be his queen. One day, while running an errand in the local village for his father, he passed through a poor section. As he glanced out the windows of his carriage, his eyes fell upon a beautiful peasant maiden. And during the ensuing days, he often passed by the young lady and soon fell in love. But he had a problem. How would he seek her hand? He could order her to marry him, but even a prince wants his bride to marry him freely and voluntarily and not through coercion. He could put on his most splendid uniform and drive up to her front door in a carriage drawn by six horses. But if he did this, he would never be certain that the maiden loved him or was simply overwhelmed with all of the splendor. As you might have guessed, the prince came up with another solution. He would give up his kingly robe. He moved into the village, entering not with a crown, but in the garb of a peasant. He lived among the people, shared their interests and concerns, and talked their language. In time, the maiden grew to love him for who he was and because he had first loved her. What do you see when you see Jesus? The world tries to insulate us from Jesus. You don't need a Savior. You don't belong to anyone else. You are your own master. Build your kingdom. Live your life. You'll live forever. Or the world tries to insulate Jesus from us. He's a great teacher. He's some flawed figure from the past. Even he's a great king who's untouchable, who would never come near you, who would never fall in love for you. But Jesus is the ransom. Jesus is the sacrifice. He is the one who moved in, disguised as a peasant, as it were, who lived among us and who gave his very life that he might redeem us and draw us to himself as his bride, the church. When those, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, came into the temple... Out of all the people who were there, only two people recognized who he was. So who do you see? Believe the promise of God that was fulfilled and that will be fulfilled. Receive the gift of Christ. All can hold him. He promised us that as he went to heaven that he would not leave us or forsake us but that through the Holy Spirit that everyone who believes on him would have eternal life and that he would come into their hearts and live in them. We can hold him now in our hearts and we can wait expectantly when we can touch him with our own hands. We can experience the blessing of Christ presently resurrected and we can also be Simeon's People lifting up Jesus in the midst of this world. Proclaiming in such a way that the busyness of the world, people stop and take uh, notice of who we are and what we're saying. Simeon trusted and waited. Simeon saw and proclaimed. Because it is those who trust that are the ones who wait. And those who wait who find peace. Well, Simeon finally, point three, rested in peace. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. We have to think that this word depart means die, right? It was revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon is saying, I can die now. What you said to me has been fulfilled. I like the way J.C. Ryle talks about simeon he says he speaks like one for whom the grave has lost its terrors and the world its charms simeon is in peace but did he not have peace before see the peace that simeon speaks of doesn't fundamentally derive from the miraculous thing that he saw there it derives from god's words of promise which he believed He saw Jesus and he knew. But he didn't see the end. But he had peace, shalom. Which is more than simply absence of conflict. It means being in harmony with God. We live on the other side of Jesus' coming, waiting for the second coming. We have his presence now by faith. But there's not peace on earth yet, is there? one of the most malign verses. Even Linus gets it wrong in the peanut story where he quotes glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to men. It doesn't finish there, does it? It says glory to God in the highest and peace to men on whom his favor rests. We can rest if you are a Christian. In God, in the waiting, because His favor rests on you. And so, do you have rest? You may be here simply because it's a family event and people are coming to church, but maybe you're hearing the gospel for the first time. Have you acknowledged this baby for who He is? The ransom for your life, the one who brings the favor of God. If so, bow your knee to Him. Trust in the Lord. Experience the indwelling of His presence and the peace of the favor of God which will come upon you. If you are a Christian, no matter if you're on the mountain or in the valley, His favor rests on you. And so regardless of what your circumstances are right now, You can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You can rejoice even in your sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. You see, we do not have to lose heart in the midst of this world, in the midst of the brokenness of ourselves and our dying Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary affliction is achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. So we look to things not that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, if you are a Christian, you're not getting older they're getting closer. So settle down. But don't settle. Stand by and ready. For it says, no one knows the day when the Son of Man comes and His second coming. But at the sound of the trumpet, at the tearing of the sky, the Lord and His heavenly host will come and we will be reunited with the Lord forever. It's those who trust There are the ones who wait. And it's those who wait that are the ones who find peace. May this Christmas Eve and this Christmas season, you live in the midst of waiting in perfect peace that comes from your ransom, your Redeemer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Simeons of the world the unheralded who believed and trusted and waited and proclaimed. May we wait with the same patience. May we fellowship with you by trust in the Holy Spirit and may we seek to proclaim the truth that you are Lord and that you are coming back. And may we settle down but not settle for this world. May the world lose its charms and may the grave Uh, Lose its fear. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.